Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Speaking of Embajador Tequila, this is that time of week where we bring in our good friend from Embajador Tequila, Les Kekahuna. Our good friend. What's up, Vinny? Les, how are you, you my good friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here, man, on your show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, and likewise. And uh, we do this every week, and we love talking uh, to Les about uh, football, sports, everything uh, under the sun. And Les, i got to ask you, uh, the Suns tonight have a chance to go up 2-0 against the Milwaukee Bucks, take a Uh uh, decisive lead in uh, the NBA Finals. What do you think tonight uh, with with Phoenix and does Giannis uh, and do Giannis and the Bucks respond and try to get this thing even? I think they will, man. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not a Milwaukee Bucks fan. I'm not, um, you know, a Suns fan. So I'm not like it's not that I'm just choosing them to be, you know, to win. And, but I think they will. I think they'll make the adjustments that they need to. I, you know, Giannis is a veteran, man. I don't think, and I think they know how important it is to not go down two zero. You know. It's a lot more tough to come out of that, you know, versus one-one going home. So I think I think they're they might surprise people. I think I think it should be. Less. I think the team I'd go with Milwaukee. You know, when you look at this NBA Finals, it's so interesting to me. Normally, when you get to the finals, it's two teams that you can see being there for a few years to come. Remember when the Golden State Warriors were rolling? You can see that they're going to be around for a little while. When the Lakers were doing their thing, they're always around, you know, for a little while. Um, I, I could look at the Brooklyn Nets, and, you know, maybe they could be in the picture here for a little while. But when I look at Milwaukee and I look at the Phoenix Suns, I see two teams that, you know, I'm not going to say they were lucky to get there because I'm a firm believer, last man standing, last team standing, uh, you earn mm-hmm. it, and you, you've you earned your spot here. But I don't necessarily think of them as teams that are going to be perennially knocking on the door of the championship. So when you think of it from that perspective, uh, how important is it for either of these two teams to take advantage of this opportunity ahead of them to be able to hang a banner? Well, I, you know, it's... Getting to the championship is really hard. You know that. You covered the Lakers for many years. And, you know, Laker fans are spoiled, you know, because, you know, we seem to always be in the in the mix of a championship team. But it's really hard to get back, you know, you know, in the championship. It's tough. So, I mean, I saw Milwaukee was always there. You, you know, like if you think about it, the last couple of years, they, you know, they, they were at least expected to be there. And, then, you know, this is the year that they weren't expected to be there. And they, they made it. But that. Do you see it that way or no? I, I mean, last yeah, year, no, you know, no doubt about it. With yeah, Giannis was MVP, and everyone was high on them. And then, you know, injuries and some matchups it hurt them. I guess in the playoffs, and they didn't make it. Yeah, but I expected them. It, it, Phoenix, I didn't expect that. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I thought they had a really good young team. It helped to have CP3 there, and he brought their veteran leadership and and whatnot. But you know, I didn't think they were going to be that. You know, be the successful, but good for them, man. I'm really, I really am happy for them. Yeah, you know, likewise. New teams, new teams. Um, I think I, I I think Chris Paul gets it done. I think Chris Paul puts that cherry yeah. on top of his career. Um, he he got here, you know, and right. is it a surprise? Absolutely. Does he deserve it because of all the years that he's put in? I I think so. Uh, this is kind of a career achievement award 
for Chris Paul, right. and uh, it'd be nice to see him uh, get a championship. And and it's it's yeah. kind of ironic that it's not going to be in a Clippers uniform, but oh well, um, that's the way it, that's the way it goes uh, sometimes. <laughs> By the way, and we're talking to Les Kekahuna from Embajador uh, yeah. Tequila. Uh, just to remind everybody, uh, speaking of Embajador Tequila, uh, Salud Mexican uh, Bistro and Tequileria. Uh, over at 8125 West Sahara Avenue, Suite 110 here in Las Vegas. Uh, every Sunday from 1 to 5 p.m., it's Latin party brunch time. Uh, live music, dancing, mm-hmm. great food and drinks, including obviously Embajador Tequila. Uh, this right. week, they're featuring Latin percussion sounds by Las Vegas's own Steve Weiss from Zoomanity, Recycled Percussion, and Broadway's Stomp. So that is Sunday, 1 to 5 p.m., over at Salud Mexican Bistro. Um, give it a shot if you can, because uh, uh, it's great food, great music, and of course, uh, when you've got Embajador Tequila uh, nearby, it's always going to be great drinks uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Les, so you know, we've been talking uh, a lot today about, you know, is this Raiders defense ready to take a step in the right direction and be a viable complement uh, to what looks to be another powerful top 10-ish uh, NFL offense. Uh, that's been the question of the day. And, you know, I look at some of these forecasters and um, uh, projections, and it, and, it, and it looks like the Raiders are slotted for some reason right around seven and a half, eight wins. That's the projection of the Raiders. I think that's way too low. Uh, I think this team has a chance to be – uh, 11-win uh, team. Uh, that's the way I see it. But when you look at that number, that 7.5 for win projection for the Raiders, how does that sit with Les? Uh, whoever came up with that number, maybe they should fire him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think the Raiders are going to win. Like you said, I, I looked at their schedule. I could see, you know, a 12, even a 12-win uh, season. I really, I really do. I looked at they're, um, you know, it's tough. Divisional games are always tough, right? Because they play each other every year. So it's hard to say we'll sweep any of them. That probably might be a split, you know, three losses, you know, possibly. And um, probably, I would say in the schedule, it looks like the toughest, well, not the toughest, where it looks tough is, is when we play Dallas on Thanksgiving. And then the following week, we play Washington at home. Washington is a tough team. You know, like their defensive front is, oh, man, they give people problems. And then the week after that, we go to the Chiefs, and then we go to the Browns. If we can kind of get through those, I think that four weeks right there, I think that's probably going to be like our gauntlet of, you know, like, man, do we come out of that hurt? Or, you know, if we can win those games, or the majority of those, that I think that'll, that'll set us into the right direction. Um, yeah, based on that last year, if you look at it, right, last year, an 11-win team made it to the playoffs as a wild card, but because there's an extra game, I, I would say if you win 12, you're in the playoffs. 13, you probably win the division, but, you know, well, with Casey, yeah, you know, they're probably going to win a lot of games too, but, yeah, if we can win 12, we're in the playoffs, and I think for sure we can win over seven games, for sure. Yeah, I don't see it. I, I don't see that being a problem, and it, it's really based on injuries, too. Let's just see if we're, if we're healthy, you know, because that's, that's, always the, that's always the biggest part of it. It's you can't be healthy, man. It's tough to win games. And there's really no easy game in the NFL, right? Because every game's tough. Everyone's good. But I could see us winning double-digit wins. Yeah, for sure. We're talking to Les Kekahuna from uh, Embajador Tequila, our great sponsor here at uh, Raider Nation Radio in the huddle, uh, 920 a.m. Uh, every day, Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. Les, um, you know... I, 
you know football and um, you know what goes into to winning and the recipe that's needed and all the parts and, and ingredients that are needed uh, to win and win at a high level. Uh, obviously, you have to have a good quarterback first and foremost. That's, you know, the, well, if you don't, you're lost, yeah. period. It's and yeah, it's, it's really tough. Yeah, and, and I, I, I frankly think that the Raiders have a, a good enough quarterback to get far in Derek Carr. I truly believe that. And I say that less because I was in Los Angeles when Jared Goff, who I think is a good quarterback, not necessarily a great quarterback, but a good quarterback, was able to steer his team to a Super Bowl. There were times where he carried the team on his shoulders. There was a times where he kind of managed games. Um, but he did. he played well enough to get a team to the Super Bowl and almost won the Super Bowl. Uh, I look at Jimmy Garoppolo from the San Francisco 49ers, a good quarterback, not a great quarterback, and frankly, somebody that I think Jared or uh, Derek Carr is better than. He's a superior quarterback to Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Jimmy Garoppolo helped get his team to the Super Bowl. So when I look at Derek Carr, I don't think there's any reason, uh, there's no reason that I can tell that he can't, with a good team around him, get the Raiders where they need to go. Where do you fall on, on Derek Carr? and uh, his viability as somebody that, that can get the Raiders to the Super Bowl, if need be? I think he can. I, I believe he can, and I, actually, I know he can. And if you look at, I think, uh, I mean, don't quote me on this, but I, I think based on the QBR rating, right, and this numbers, right, and, and, and so he was ranked, I think, 11 at, at the end of last season. And the, the quarterbacks ahead of him, were they were all Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks. Right, and he, you know, he was right there with them. So, as far as his numbers and what he puts up, I think he, yeah, I think he's very well capable of getting us to the championship game. In fact, I, I anticipate us getting that far. And you know, I'm a Raider fan, but I'm, I'm just being realistic. I, I really believe that we, we're going to surprise a lot of people this season, and if we can stay healthy, man, and it's going to be, we're going to be tough to beat. I believe that, and I, I think week one, we're going to be tough, man. We'll play against the Ravens, and we'll get to see how how everyone responds, you know, in week one. And, and I think I really, really believe Derek Carr can get us there to the championship. I truly believe that. And now that he has a defense and, you know, to give him, get him the ball back, you know, that helps instead of um, chasing, you know, chasing the other team's score. You know, it's, it's going to be nice maybe to get get some turnovers, giving him more more um, possessions and, and maybe being ahead most of the time now this season. And, you know, the play calls all change a lot when you're playing when you're in front versus when you're chasing the team, right, playing from behind. Yeah, I agree, and I think that when you have a better defense, and I, th- I, there, I could point to so many times last year, Les, where mm-hmm. John, you could tell John Gruden's play calling was yeah. not just to score points. Yeah. Obviously, that's the goal, but it was right. also to work around a defense that maybe there wasn't a whole lot of confidence in. Uh, it changes yep. you as a play caller when you know that you have a defense right. uh, that that you know you're not worried about. So uh, we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, and I, I mean, we'll we'll see. I, I think man, I, I'm really really excited this season. You know, I, I I can't wait to watch Derek Carr. You know, lead this team, man. I, I think we're going to surprise a lot of people. I really believe that. And last year, a most a lot of the losses that we had, you know, we were in there. Besides, like Atlanta on games like that, but. You're going to have those games, man. There's going to be some games where you're just like, man, it's not our day. You know, it's, it's the NFL. Right. But for the most part, he always had us in the game. You know, like we, and it was him. It was, it was because he was able to keep us in these games. And, and now with a better defense, you know, and, and getting off the field and getting more possessions and getting maybe some turnovers and, 
you know, and putting us in better field position, right? You know, to start to start drives, you know, like versus starting at your own 15, 20-yard line, now you're starting at midfield, your play calls change too, you know? So I'm excited, man, and I think Derek Carr really is a, a quarterback that can get us there. He's up there with all the top quarterbacks in NFL to me. Yeah, uh, and I think that you know he's uh, to me he's getting he's getting better, and uh, if he can continue to get better, but more importantly, if the team around him uh, can continue to get better, then uh, it, it changes things here in Las Vegas. Les, thank you so much uh, yeah. for spending some time with us in the huddle. huddle. Always appreciate it. Uh, we'll yeah. talk to you again next week, and uh, keep up the great work. And thanks for everything you guys do over at Embajador Tequila. Man, thank you, Vinny. Thank you um, for having me on your show. Really appreciate the opportunity, and have a great day. You got it, man. That's Les Kekahuna from Embajador Tequila, our great uh, sponsor, and we're always happy to talk to him. He knows his football. Um, huge part of the Polynesian uh, Bowl uh, game uh, every year. And, uh, you know, there's he, he sends me, he'll go to uh, a lot of these events, uh, the Polynesian uh, showcase events uh, for top high school players, and he'll text me pictures. Uh, man, it's just endless amounts of great players that are coming up through the through the pipeline. And, and you know, they, they graduate to college, they graduate to the NFL, and we see him all the time, and he's got some great stories about some of the great guys that he knows from that uh, community uh, and, and, and their impact on, on football right now is just going through the roof. It just continues to grow and grow and grow. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Absolutely. I think it started, uh, you know, at the start of OTAs all the way to now. And when he means building trust, he means it's that guy to the left of you giving all his effort. It's the guy to the right of you giving all, giving all his effort. When you see that on tape and you see guys going 100% for each other, that builds trust right there. You knowing that all right, I might have to hammer this block, but I messed up. I know my nose tackle's coming right back around and come help me make the play. It's just all about effort-based defense. That's what we preach, um, and that's what I love. I love guys that run to the ball. Coach Bradley loves guys that run to the ball, and that all, all that builds trust. Kind of a different tone I felt in these OTAs. And granted, there were no OTAs last year, um, but just a different tone uh, in how things are being articulated, expressed on the defensive side of the ball for the Raiders. Uh, some new faces, obviously, that was unique in Gakwe, talking about building trust and knowing that the guy next to you is going to be where he needs to be or pick up for you um, if if, uh, if you make a mistake or, or if you lose your battle, that you, the guy next to you has got your back uh, and can help compensate for it. You know, the 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 talk of guys, you know, bringing this type of stuff up and, and making it a priority and making it a focal point, I think is the road, the one of the steps toward the road to recovery uh, for this Raiders defense. And I don't think that they're that far off from a talent standpoint. I truly don't. I think there's some players that are going to, they're going to, you know, between the newcomers, between guys that are holdovers, some of the young players, I think the talent is sufficient enough. It needs to come together in other ways, and, and that's trust and chemistry, being on the same page, better coaching. Um, and I think that it's on the horizon. It's there. 
It can happen. It's not out of the realm of possibility. And if it does, like we keep talking about, the whole narrative is going to change. Mark my word. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line, or excuse me, uh, listener line. Jerome wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Jerome? Hey, pretty good, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely, yeah. brother. I'm going to get out of here with a history lesson on the Raiders. 50-year-plus Raiders fan. Watched pretty much every game, every play. Now, what I noticed from the beginning, and also why I became a Raiders fan, is that the Raiders have like three opponents every game. They have the other team, <laughs> the official team, and themselves. <laughs> you notice that still, the Raiders won most of the games because they knew how to make uh, the game clock work for them. You know, score with not enough time left for other teams to score. The officials have always let the other team do anything they wanted to do after any Raiders score without any penalty. You know, especially holding. Now, if the if you look back over the years, you'll see that it's not always bad defense. That the Raiders, if they have a, a, a bad offense, the defense is like top five. And when the offense is good, you can't stop anybody. <laughs> I mean, because let me tell you that some teams know this and some teams don't. You know, holding is okay, do whatever you want. Sometimes passing interference and personal fouls. Now, the Raiders' defense, is, the best one is a 3 4. Because Chase really holds a linebacker, because they're out in the open air as much as the Lions. Yeah. And the new chief says, Cornwall cool, is from LA. I got my doubts because they had me to come back last year as the Raiders did. Yeah, Derek Carr, he should be sending them games too. I've seen old throw on, on the, the ball in the end, over his zone, out of bounds, and on side and, and even that chief game. The, the, the last play, if you get them about about 15 yards further, it was a pick of chicken ball at most, and maybe we can score the ball that's intercepted back there. Yeah, but I'm just saying that you know, somebody you guys know, go for it. <laughs> You'll see them on those court sometimes. <laughs> yeah, uh, Drum. Thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. Um, no doubt, the the Raiders have. It's been elusive for them in terms of building a complete team. Uh, Jerome just brought it up. Sometimes when they've been really good offensively, they haven't been good good defensively, and vice versa. And really, when you're talking about it now, based on where this offense is, and it's very much so a top 10 uh, offense in the NFL, I don't expect that to deviate. It could actually get better. Where it stands now is they just need to get some better play on defense. And I think the talent is there for that to happen. And I think the right coach is in place for that to happen. I like what the Raiders did along the defensive line. Unique Ngakwe is the headline of that, no question about it. But I think the Raiders also understood the importance of building quality depth. Doesn't have to be a bunch of all-stars, a bunch of Pro Bowl players, but just guys that you can count on when they're on the field to deliver efficient snaps period. And I think that they believe that they've done that, bringing in Quentin Jefferson and Darius Phylon and, and, and Solomon Thomas, Unique Ngakwe, bringing back Jonathan Hankins. Go look at the numbers. Jonathan Hankins played well last year. He, he played good enough, good enough football. You're not going to always have a Pro Bowl player at every position. It's not possible to do that, obviously. 
but just be somebody that you can be counted on, that the team can count on you. And I think Jonathan Hankins is a guy that you can count on Jonathan Hankins to, to play well. You throw in Clee Farrell, who I think is continues to get better as a football player. He had a solid year last year, more than solid. And when he was right before injuries, before COVID-19, he was really right. He was playing really well. I know it wasn't expressed in big flashy sacks and that type of thing. But that doesn't take away from the fact that he was playing good, solid football. He can be a defensive lineman on a championship team. That's the truth of the matter. He was in college. He can be in the NFL. Now, what I like with what the Raiders did in the draft and in free agency, now you can get creative with Cleve Farrell. Being somebody that you can count on on the early downs as a decent enough pass rusher, but also somebody that's going to be a anchor against the run. And on known passing downs, your third downs, your second and longs, that type of thing, there's the potential that he could get kicked inside in which you have Unique Ngakwe on one end, Max Crosby on the other, Clee Farrell somewhere in the interior, a Solomon Thomas, a Darius Phylon, and Jonathan Hankins inside. Trying to get the best combination of pass rushers on the field in those kind of situations. And I think Klee, because of his strength, because of his size, he's a big man, his athleticism, I think in the right kind of a situation with good players around him, especially when he kicks inside, can do damage. So, you know, when you when you talk about the defensive line getting better, and I think the linebackers are, I think the first, the top three linebackers um, are going to surprise some people. I think Corey Littleton, Nick Wachowski, Nicholas Morrow are going to are going to surprise some people. Putting a Jonathan Abram in in more advantageous advantageous position to do what he does best, playing him as that uh, box safety closer to the line of scrimmage, being a factor in the run game where he could bring the, the, the thump in the run game, also be activated as a pass rusher on in, in, in blitz packages, not asking him to cover large portions of the field in pass coverage. That's not his game. That's not his game. How many times have I talked about when I was covering the Rams and Marcus Peters comes over in a trade? And everyone kind of assumed Marcus Peters, oh, he has all these interceptions. Oh, he's a lockdown cornerback, a man-to-man lockdown quarterback, perfect for uh, the defensive coordinators. Um, you, know, you know, Wade Phillips' 3-4 defense where you need, you know, lockdown cornerbacks on the outside so that you can blitz and send, send you know, an extra guy uh, on, on your pass rush. You need guys to lock it up on the outside. Marcus Peters, look at all those interceptions. That's what he, that's what he does. Well, that's not what he actually did. He wasn't a man-to-man, lockdown kind of a cornerback. He's actually better in zone, where he's playing off the quarterback, reading their eyes, reading his eyes, jumping routes. Uh, as a result, that's what makes him good at what he does. He's he. If you're asking him to be a lockdown man cornerback, 
That's not his strength, and it's going to show. And guess what? It showed. He was terrible, terrible for the first half of that 2019 season. Terrible. Excuse me, 2018. And it all kind of culminated where uh, he got caught out of position, got burnt. I think it was Michael Thomas from the Saints on a game-winning touchdown pass from Drew Brees to Michael Thomas. The Rams had come back in that game. It was a crazy game. At the midway point, two 8-0 teams. And Marcus Peters basically blew the game. And I remember, you know, going. I, I gave him so much credit in the locker room, Superdome, manning up, owning up, accountability. But behind the scenes, Wade Phillips and Aubrey Pleasant, their defensive backs coach, were like, you know, we're asking this guy to do something that he's not. It's not his strength. We're doing him wrong right now. It's not his fault. That's not his game. It's our fault for putting him in that position. So they completely blew it up on the back end. And they put Marcus Peters in a position to do what he does best as sort of a zone coverage guy, keeping his eye on the quarterback, not having to turn and run with wide receivers and have his play you know, with his back to the quarterback. That's not his game. If you look at the second half of that season – Marcus Peters turned it around. It wasn't because he became a better player. It was because Wade Phillips and the secondary coach said, we're going to put him in better positions. That's on us, not on him. Marcus Peters turned it around. The the Rams defense turned it around. They went to the Super Bowl. They went back to New Orleans and won in the NFC Championship game uh, to beat the Saints to go to the Super Bowl. It's kind of the same thing with the Jonathan Abram. Yeah, he was bad last year, but you can also make the case that he was being asked to do some things that aren't in his wheelhouse. And if you're doing that as a coach, sometimes you listen, look, no question, there's sometimes because of where you are from a talent standpoint, um, sometimes you're going to have to just make do and ask guys. You're going to have to try to do this as best you can. I understand that it's not your strength, but we don't have anybody else to do this. And this is what we're going to do. And, you know, and, and you just have to make the best of it. But there's other times where there's other options and there's other ways to do it. And there's, you know, and, and that becomes part of coaching and understanding like, okay, he can't do this. We're asking him to do something that he's not very good at. And he keeps getting burnt and he's out there taking all the blame for it. When in reality, that's, some of that is on us as coaches. Now, it's obviously on Jonathan Abram at this point, now that Gus Bradley has come in here and it looks like what they're going to do with him is, is put him in that box safety position where, you know, instead of covering large portions of the field, it's shorter in kind of zone coverage, closer to the line of scrimmage, uh, not as wide open areas to cut down on um, him being a, 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 a pass defender, a pass coverage guy. He's also not having to go long distances to go make tackles from the back end, which that's where tackling angles come into play. Some guys are good at it. Some guys aren't good at it. That's just the fact of the matter. So you put him closer to the line of scrimmage where even that gets cut down. He can be more sideline to sideline rather than from coming from the back end 
and chasing something down on an angle. That should help him because that's the strength of his game. Now, it's on him. The coaches are saying, look, we're, this is what you're, you do well. We could see that on tape. Now it's on you to take it from there. If he does, game changer for Jonathan Abram. All of a sudden, he might be in the plans here for the long haul. If he can't, it's probably time to go find somebody else. That's how it works. But it won't be because, you know, he, he's being asked to do something that he's not capable of doing or, or what, you know, playing to his, his weaknesses rather than his strengths. He's just got to show now that he can do it because this is the type of player that he is. This is how he profiles. This is what his skill set uh, is, is built for. So this defense, you know, on a whole, when you look at it, and we've been talking about it all show long, this season is basically going to come down to, can this defense be better, period. You can go through all the, is Derek Carr this, is Derek Carr that? Yes, Derek Carr is fully capable with a good enough defense and offensive personnel around him, NFL caliber offense around him, to get his team not just to the playoffs, but pretty far after. We've seen Jimmy Garoppolo take a team to the Super Bowl. We've seen Jared Goff get his team to the Super Bowl. If those guys can do that, so can Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that Derek Carr there's there's is is well, he definitely played last year better than Jared Goff, period. We'll see if Jared could get back on, on, on track. And if so, then I think they're fairly comparable. They don't do things exactly the same. But in their own way, they're kind of comparable to each other in terms of the numbers and what they can do for their team. Jared Goff got his team to the Super Bowl. What were they, 13-3 and three that year? Went to New Orleans loudest place on the planet probably in the NFL planet took charge of that huddle I think they were down 10 nothing 13 nothing something like that and I remember going to I, I always talked to I always love talking to offensive linemen after the game they're gonna give it to you straight they're usually really smart and frank and honest and you know kind of uh, you know no BS all that they'll cut right to the chase and I just remember talking to Rob Havenstein, the Rams right tackle. I was like, how was Jared when you guys were down 13 nothing?" He read him the riot act. That's what he did in the huddle. Shut up. <laughs> he was like screaming at him. Everybody shut up. Because, you know, sometimes it could get chaotic in the huddle, when, especially when things aren't going right and you can't hear the guy next to you. And he just set him straight. And everybody followed and he, that's what I go, well, what was the reaction? Everyone was like, okay, cool. <laughs> we got you. All right, we're following you. Derek Carr is as fiery and as good of a leader as any quarterback out there. Do not ever, 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 ever underestimate that. Yeah, he threw it out of bounds on a fourth down play or whatever it was. I mean, all right, you know. Was it the best? No. It was a, it was, and he, I'm sure he'd rather have that back. What are you going to do? But we can sit here and talk about all that. Derek Carr is 
a good enough quarterback to get your team to the playoffs and get your team on that. Lesser quarterbacks have gotten their teams to those points, period. As we sit here today and as we move forward to training camp and then into the regular season, it's all about where this defense is. I think it's got to be better. The question is how much and is it sufficient enough to complement this offense? You're in the huddle with Vinnie Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Vodka. We're back in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. This is Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. You know what? It's similar, that, that, that youth, you know, and that, uh, the questions, and you're putting a system in for the first time and, and watching guys kind of, you, uh, you know, you do the techniques, but within their own personality. And that's what we're hoping. Right now, we're still in that learning phase. You know, is it a is it a buzz technique? Is it a hook technique? You know, they're learning that terminology. But I can see definitely as we get into mini camp now, guys are starting to take on personalities with the defense. So, to each their own. You know, I'm sure they'll. Uh, you know, that's why I say I think we're all looking forward to training camp. We've got what almost 2,000 reps, I think. You know, through these walkthroughs and splitting up groups, and that that's invaluable. But there's nothing like practice when you're going full speed and uh, you know and we'll see how some of these young guys come along defensive coordinator Gus Bradley uh, just, uh, talking at the end the conclusion of minicamp a couple weeks ago 2,000 reps he was talking about by the way you're in the huddle Raider Nation Radio 920 AM brought to you by Tequila Embajador you know what the Raiders didn't have last year they didn't have 2,000 reps defensively prior to heading to training camp. That's what, when we talk about the importance of OTAs, I know uh, not every veteran player needs them. We get it, understand that it's true. But from a team perspective, especially a young team, especially a team with a new defensive coordinator, uh, especially for a team that that defense was a liability and not a strength. Let's let's just be honest about the situation last year. A, a, a defense that wants to get it right. I don't believe for a second that there isn't one guy on that defense in that Raiders locker room that doesn't want to get this thing right. I'm not going to sit here and say they're ashamed of what happened last year. It's not that serious. But it didn't sit well with them, and they heard the criticism. And now more than ever, today more than ever, criticism is right up in your face. It's not just hearing it at the stadium sometimes. It's not just putting on talk radio like you would back in the day and hearing it from callers you know, screaming onto the radio if you've done bad. That was bad enough if you were playing bad <laughs> or columnists ripping you, guys on TV, sportscasters getting after you. That was one thing, and, you know, that's not fun. Nobody, nobody enjoys that. But nowadays, just when you go on social media, <laughs> it's not just in your face. It's in your lap. It's all up in your grill. 
And sometimes it's not pretty. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's not cool. You get it from all sides. And people have nowadays an opinion and the means to express that opinion. And if you're not playing up to standards, you're going to hear about it. You don't think that the Raiders' defense didn't hear about it? I know that they did. I've talked to players that were kind of pissed off about some of that, to be honest with you. And it's funny because some of the players that I talked to were offensive players who were hearing it about their teammates on defense. And, and you know, what stuck with them was this. And this is, and this is why I think the Raiders have a, a good chance of getting this thing turned around. You know, players on offense that were hearing and seeing things being said about their teammates on defense are like, Vinny, you don't understand how hard these guys work. I'm in there with them in the building. I know how much they care. I know how much they want to get better. I know the work that they put into this. They've got that going for them. They've got the care, the concern, the professionalism, the want to, the work ethic. Now it just needs to come together, you know, in, in a lot of different ways, obviously. Guys just getting better, guys settling down, coaching being better. But I think that the care factor is there, and that is an important part of this whole equation. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Madro is on the line, wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Madro? No, I'm doing great, Vin. Yourself? I'm doing really good, thank you. You know, I, I know I've talked about some of this stuff before, but it's only one comment. It's about the Raiders personnel this year and the team in general. And granted, I don't have the um, privilege anymore of being on the field and actually watching where you can pick up, you know, a lot of things just by, if you, if you know what you're looking for. But I do take the time and I've gleaned a lot of information about a lot of these players and a lot of what's gone on in mini camps and OTAs. And you know what? This is the first time in years, and I do mean in a lot of years, that the Raiders' biggest problem at the end of camp is going to be who to cut. They're actually got players and a bunch of them, and the competition is going to be strong at every position group. And that hasn't happened in a long, long time. And uh, that's how I feel about this team. I think it's that close to being that good, and they've got depth. It's just going to be very difficult for, you know, when they go to make their final cuts, I don't think they've even had to give it much thought at all. Now it's going to be a real difficult year because they're going to have to give up some talent. I'm glad you mentioned that, Madro, uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, the notion that the Raiders have been wasting their time these last couple of years, these last few years, under John Gruden is complete and utter nonsense. There's, It's not worked out like in terms of the wins, as everyone would hope. Uh, everyone wants things to happen right now. But that doesn't mean because they've fallen short that good work hasn't been, been, put, been put into this thing and that time has been wasted. It hasn't been. They've, they're moving in the right direction. And it's the same thing I feel with Derek Carr. Um, I don't think these last few years have been a waste, not for him. He's gotten better. And I think that the talent that's being put around him has gotten better. I agree with you. You can see it watching at practice that the talent level from this year compared to last year has been elevated. I thought the talent level, frankly, had been, had improved from 2019. The 2019 team that I saw when I came aboard covering the Raiders in late November, the talent of that team compared to what the talent of last year was, 
it was different. It was better last year than it was in 2019. That's why they won more one more game. That's why they should have won at least 10, probably 11 games last year because the talent was better, especially offensively. I also think the talent was better defensively, but it just wasn't where it needed to be on a talent level. I think that they needed help along the defensive line. They understood that. I think they needed some veterans um, uh, leadership in the secondary. I think they needed, obviously, uh, to figure out something, a better player or two uh, at free safety. But that's what the offseason is for. Sometimes you can't get to every single problem every single offseason. Sometimes you have to wait. Money. You only have a certain amount of draft picks. You only have a certain amount of money to spend in free agency. You can't solve all your problems overnight or in one offseason. And that's my point about these last four years. I don't think it's been a waste of time whatsoever because all you have to do is look at the roster and see this is a pretty darn good roster. I know that maybe nationally it, it, it's, it's hard to see that, and I understand that, and I get that, and I think the Raiders understand that as well. But if you look at where they are offensively, I mean, it could be your backups are at, at wide receiver, John Brown, Willie Sneed, two proven commodities are your backups potentially. Or, you know, th- th- they're in the mix with Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards and Hunter Renfro. When you start talking about the wide receivers, Hunter Renfro, Brian Edwards, if they take steps forward, which they should, Willie Sneed, John Brown, Hunter Renfro, that's not bad. Those are pretty good wide receivers. That's a good group of wide receivers. And and with Derek Carr as the quarterback, he'll be able to figure out ways to tap into all of those guys. Darren Waller, obviously a good player. Josh Jacobs is a good running back. Kenyon Drake is a good weapon alongside him as a runner, as a pass catcher. You start looking at the defense, and Yannick Ngakwe is better than anybody that the Raiders had last year at defensive end. Max Crosby looks like... He's gotten a lot of things in order, and his body looks tremendous, and he was flying around in OTAs. Clee Farrell, Casey Hayward is going to be an upgrade. Trayvon Morg should be an upgrade. Corey Littleton, Nick Wickout. You know, you start naming all – and it's, there's talent here. There's definitely talent here. And it's been accumulated. It's been growing, and it's been a process to get it to this point. But time hasn't been wasted, and I think – as Madro said, because you know he's been watching the Raiders longer than I have, for the first time in forever, he feels like, you know what? There's not going to be any gimmies on this roster. There's not going to be any, ah, I guess we've got to give it to this guy because the other guy is just not that good. There's going to be good players that are cut, good players that you know either get moved out of their position or become reserves. There's going to be good depth, decent depth. I think I'm still a little concerned about the linebacker position. I think the potential is there behind um, you know, the three starters, but it's untested. Bringing in Darren Lee, I think, helps a little bit. But, you know, Divine Diablo, Tanner Muse, Javin White, between the three of them, I think that's like 57 snaps. Most of them have been on, were, were on special teams with, with White. So it's untested. But I think there's potential there. I think this is a better team, and I think it's a better defense. The question is, as we've been asking all day today, how much better? And is it ready to finally be a viable complement to what's going on on the offensive side of the ball, which is a top 10-ish offense? 
I want to say thanks to Q Myers, uh, our new teammate here uh, at Raider Nation Radio. Thanks for uh, jumping on board, coming into the huddle. Uh, I want to say thanks to Les Kekahuna from Embajador Tequila for spending some time with us, as he does on a weekly basis. I want to thank all the callers. Thanks for bringing it. Always appreciate it. I want to thank Demon Cotton back at home base, making us sound good. Thanks to the hospitality here at Raiders headquarters. What a beautiful place this is. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We'll be back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor, Tequila Embajador.